The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. What, 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 what? I shouldn't even have to comment on this. I think I've said this over and over and over again. That was 17 years ago today. Amazing. Happy anniversary, Nick to Saban, who continues to this day to be the Alabama coach, and he would later explain that the whole idea was they had games left to be played. He didn't want to create a distraction. He wasn't sure what was going to happen. There are different ways to maneuver yourself through that minefield than to make the kind of absolute statement that makes you eventually look like an absolute liar, even though I don't believe he was lying in that moment. It ultimately becomes one of the great sound bites of all time because here we are in the year 2023 going on 2024. Nick Saban continues to be and has been since just a couple of weeks after he said what he said, the Alabama coach. Yeah. And he's done a great job. Yeah, great? You, you think? You, you know, think Alabama, it's been kind of Alabama great? Alabama was lost. Yeah. They were lost. Right. They were nothing. They were just like, they tried to hire Rich Rodriguez that year. Jeez, from West that's Virginia. right. Good thing that didn't work out. Rich Rodriguez was plan A to Nick Saban. How about that? Uh, I just think when they didn't get Rodriguez, they decided, let's really load the cannon here. Let's go all out. Let's try to get – because all year long in 2006, and we were reporting this at PFT back in the old days, Saban was miserable. I kept hearing it over and over again. He's miserable in Miami. His wife doesn't like the pro game. They like the college game better, and he's miserable. Yeah. And there came the opportunity to become the Alabama coach, and he took it. Yeah, well, it's a, he made the right decision. He did. I mean, you know, that was, of course, he had won a, LS, a national championship at LSU. He goes to Miami for a little while, goes to Alabama, and, I mean, come on. It, it's either him or Bear Bryant as the greatest head, head coaches in college football history. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the run they've made. And the fact that here they are again, Final Four, going to be playing Michigan in the Rose Bowl and have a chance to do it again. We, you know, at least in my lifetime, we've never seen a college football team be this prevalent at the top of the rankings this many years in a row. It's it's seventeen years in a row. I mean, it's a very New England, Bill Belichick type of dynasty we've got here. Except the players change every two or three years in college football. The quarterback changes. So it's it's amazing. I can't say enough about Nick Saban. And he's got a little bit of that, 
you know, chippiness that you do. What the hell's in the water there in West Virginia? You guys are so chippy like that all the time and snarky. <laughs> One of the reasons he prefers college football is he gets like 10 first round picks a year. Because he's a great <laughs> That's recruiter, right. and you're That's not. Right. I mean, and he said that. Yeah. He said that. I mean, he he's able to go out and lure the best of the best. He's not limited by this system that rewards success yeah. or that punishes success. Right. My point is, you if you're great in the NFL, you get lesser players, and you got to make chicken salad out of lesser players. And he didn't like that in the NFL and the salary cap and all the other things. All right, um, here's Mike Tomlin, who met with reporters on Monday for his usual weekly midweek press conferences. Tuesday when they play on Sunday, it's Monday when they play on Saturday. You'll see them Saturday on NBC and Peacock. Coverage begins at 3 o'clock Eastern. He specifically came back on Wednesday to address George Pickens, who spoke on Tuesday. Here's a little of Pickens, and here's a little of Tomlin, and then we'll break it all down on the back end. Remember at the end of last year, you t- you said you worked hard to overcome whatever these preconceived notions were about you coming out. You still, you feel, I mean, you feel you still have to do that. Are you still fighting that? Uh, I just feel like the reason I would be, like you're saying, would be still fighting it, because it's a lot of guys that's not playing the ball, not playing the game of football. It's just media guys having an opinion. George is a is a talented guy, um, but he's growing and growing in a lot of ways uh, in regards to football and life. He is very much a work in progress, and so um, it is continual. Um, it's not going to be one incident or, or one meeting or one form of discipline uh, that's going to institute the type of change that we're hunting, to be quite honest with you. It is going to be continual. I would like him to be more professional in terms of addressing some of his shortcomings with you guys um, to, to further add fluidity to the process. He's not helping himself. He's not helping the process um, in the manner in which he's dealt with you guys. Um, but the manner in which he deals with you guys is not necessarily the manner in which he deals with us or himself regarding acknowledging where he is and where he needs to go. Is there any form of discipline that will be handed out? Not that I'm going to discuss with you guys. And part of it is education, and I want him to understand that as well. Um, when you're winning and doing your jobs, man, a lot of the attention and so forth is on things such as that. When you're not doing your job and losing, you better keep your damn mouth shut and understand that that tracks a certain type of attention as well. And usually that's vulture-like attention. Mike Tomlin, as I've said multiple times, has already failed in this regard because it became an issue. What he's been able to do as the head coach of the Steelers since 2007 has been impressive to those in the business because what happens is, and this isn't Antonio Brown, there have been other players who have been with the Steelers and they go somewhere else, and the coach of the other team is like, how in the hell did Tomlin keep this guy under control for as long as he did? How did Tomlin not just witness this guy completely implode? Tomlin has been able, until now, to keep guys from getting to this point where it becomes a distraction. This is taking away from the preparation for the game against the Bengals on Saturday. Every minute Tomlin has to spend dealing with the media, dealing with Pickens, dealing with Art Rooney, dealing with whoever about what we're going to do about George Pickens takes away from what they need to do. And Chris, in the past, Tomlin has been able, we talked about this yesterday, he's been able to push the buttons and keep something from becoming a thing. He's failed 
to keep. And this goes all the way back to the Titans game, the Thursday night game. That was the first glimpse of it. And this is on, I'm not saying it's on Tomlin, because I guess you're not going to bat a thousand in that regard. But on this one, it's a strikeout. On the other one's home run. On this one, it's a strikeout for Mike Tomlin because he wasn't able to get through to George Pickens and keep him from having the kinds of manifestations we've seen in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, you know, he's a, a master at doing this, really, Mike Tomlin, throughout his career. I mean, you're, you're saying it, right? Coaches, media people, whatever. Yeah, they've had some strong personalities there in Pittsburgh over the years. He's handled it, you know, uh, you know, with, 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 with greatness as far as these personalities, these renegades, you know, defensive and offensive side of the ball, right? I mean, he even had a quarterback that was a guy that kind of spouted off more than normal quarterbacks and Big Ben Roethlisberger and certainly would say things in the media that, you know, I don't think you would see other great quarterbacks of his, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, in his stratosphere like a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady even say. So he's had to deal with some personalities. There's no doubt about that, right? And, and you know, unfortunately with this one, you know, I, I think a little of it goes into the fact that, yeah, the offensive coordinator, the guy he did hire, Matt Canada, was a disaster and didn't work out well. And then, of course, that filtered into the offense not being good. And receivers are, uh, you know, again, I'm not judging or whatever else, but receivers are usually the greatest athletes in the locker room. And as we've talked about a million times, they're the guys that think they can change the game on one play. And those are the guys that are also the most diva-ish within the locker room. And uh, they will complain and, you know, at times throw a hissy fit if they don't get the ball enough. Right, because they've used, they've been used to their whole life. You give me the ball, we win. So that's where those frustrations have boiled over, and he has not been able to control either one of these receivers for the most part. We'll see. But like, yeah, what, what, what? You know, the fact that Mike Tomlin has to have a looks like an extra press conference to address George yes. Pickens. That's not a good thing for George Pickens. That's it's not a good look. You know, another one of these extra press conferences or two. You're going to all of a sudden they're going to be like, damn, we, we don't want to even talk about this guy at all anymore. Let's get him the hell out of here. I mean, that's where he's got to watch out. And then you have a reputation around the league and all of a sudden, uh oh, people are not sure about you. And then you make one mistake somewhere else. And all of a sudden it's like, well, this guy's crazy. We don't want him anywhere. So that's where George Peckins needs to, uh, you know, be careful. And he got to stop that, like blaming the media and people who didn't play talk. Stop it. Stop it. Your head coach just said you're a work in progress. Your head coach said they're trying to message you because they're hunting for change. He said we talk about his shortcomings, right, and not doing his job. And it's filtered into other people in the locker room also talking about not doing his job. So he can't use that BS talk about media and people that aren't playing the game don't know what they're talking about. No, there's plenty of that do know what they're talking about. I know he's frustrated, but he shouldn't say stuff like that. That's a a non-winning argument. The latest criticism of George Pickens traces to the obvious failure of him to exhibit effort when he had an opportunity to block for running back Jalen Warren near the goal line against the Colts on Saturday. This is what Pickens said on Tuesday. We talked about it yesterday. He was trying to prevent an injury. He doesn't want to get hurt. When you stay on the block too low, you can get ran up on very easily. Here's what Jalen Warren had to say yesterday. This is big. About Pickens' explanation. This says it all, Mike. It is what it is. At the end of the day, he was doing what he thought was best for him. Some people play the game differently. If I was in that position, I would have blocked for him. But we play differently. Boom. Boom. 
Boom. Those are shots fired in a locker room. So you, George Pickens, you can say all you want about all this stuff. The people in the locker room are talking about you behind your back. Going, damn, that's BS that George Pickens or, did Or that. to your face. Or to your face, Or apparently. to your face. Right, right. Yeah, Jalen Warren's going, wait, yeah, I didn't go to Georgia. You know, I'm not a high-round pick. I only know pedal to the metal, play as hard as I can, do what the coach told me to do, and do my job to the utmost. And he's going, oh, yeah, it's George Pickens, second-round pick, went to Georgia. He's always had the red carpet out for him. And that's basically what he's saying there a little bit. So, you know, it's, it's just not a good look. It's not a good look, and, you know, it's it's rare, like you're saying, that we've seen this happen twice in the same year, basically, with, with receivers from Pittsburgh, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, unlike, like you said, a Mike Tomlin coach football team. This is the same guy who built his name last year on putting guys on their ass. Yeah. That's what makes it so stunning that George Pickens is playing this way. Here's the question that was presented to me yesterday by the guys on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. What's the most likely outcome for next year? Just, just your hunch. Just a guess. We're not reporting anything. We're just having some fun here. Tomlin and Pickens both with the Steelers. Tomlin and Pickens both gone from the Steelers. Tomlin stays. Pickens gone. Tomlin's gone. Pickens stays. What's the most likely outcome? I feel like, I feel like it's Tomlin goes and Pickens stays. That's, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. I don't know why. I don't think, I, I you know, I don't think Mike Tomlin deserves to be fired or anything like that. I I don't know why. I just feel like maybe a, the time has come. It's coming to an end to part ways, refresh, you know, a refresh button for both sides. And I think with the fact that there's some jobs out there that certainly would call for Mike Tomlin's ability to rally the organization. Yeah, I'm going to take that that guess right there uh, right now. So I think we're in that one together. I think somebody's going to call. I think this is someone is going to save the Steelers from having to even think about doing what they never want to do. They're never going to have to make the change because someone's going to call and initiate a conversation and there's going to be an offer made and the Steelers are eventually going to take it and Mike Tomlin goes to a new team. I feel like that's where this heading. So, Pickens still under contract for two more years. New coach is going to think, I'm going to try my hand here with George Pickens. I, maybe they hire an offensive coach. They haven't the last three, Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin. But maybe they go offensive, and maybe the new coach thinks, I can get through to him. I can get more out of him. I'll have an offense that actually, you know, puts the football in his hands from time to time, so maybe he's not frustrated. I mean, it's one thing for him to be a little selfless and not have the ball in his hands all the time. It's another thing for him to never get the ball and for us to do nothing to let him show what he can do. I can try to get through to him. I can try to fix him. So I agree with you. Tomlin gone. Pickens stays. We're not reporting anything. We're just reading the tea leaves or between the tea leaves. That's right. Next level. All right. That's right. All right. Let's take a break. When we return, a couple of big games this weekend that will be very impactful to the playoff standings. Cowboys at Dolphins and Ravens at 49ers. We'll talk about those next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. 
No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Cowboys are my favorite team growing up. Um, they played on primetime a lot. And in Hawaii, um, you know, primetime is like 3 o'clock p.m. They're like, dang, it's night over there. It's like the, the sun is still up over here. Um, so, yeah, we we uh, I come from a family that uh, they, they're big Cowboys fans. Um, but uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Everyone's Dolphins fans. And then the ones who still support the Cowboys, they're probably not my family anyways. See, I remember a time at the Super Bowl I think it was the year Tua got drafted. He wasn't already with the Dolphins. His family was with him. Great family, great people. Enjoyed the experience very much. But when his dad caught wind of the fact that Emmett Smith was in the vicinity, dad, <laughs> off went dad. Yeah, that's right. To go see Emmett Smith. Yeah, but uh, Cowboys all the way. And obviously they didn't need a quarterback. They had Dak Prescott at the time, so it's not like he was going to land there. But now he gets a chance to face the Cowboys in one of the biggest games of the weekend. Both teams 10-4, and four, and uh, the Cowboys need to prove they can win away from home. Or let me rephrase that. They need to prove they won't get blown out away from home, and the Dolphins trying to continue to fend off the Buffalo Bills because one false move in Week 18 is Bills at Dolphins for the AFC East Championship. Yeah, th- this is uh, like can't wait to watch this football game, right? I mean, you talk about explosive people on both sides of the ball, right? I think two styles of football that are really interesting as far as the matchup, right? The Miami Dolphins, that offense, all they do, they're aggressive as hell. You know, we expect Tyreek Hill to be back. The Cowboys are a very aggressive defense. They want to play man-to-man and get in your face here. You know, this is a Dolphins offense that runs the football, but runs the football because you play such egregious pass defense, right? But they're not necessarily just going to impose their physical will and run the ball on anybody there, right? So I don't think Dallas has to be like, oh, man, we got to put extra D linemen in all the time to stop the Dolphins' run game. There's a lot interesting here. Deron Bland, how many times are they going to match him up man-to-man with Tyree Kill? Is Dan Quinn still going to be able to play the aggressive style of defense that he wants to, right? 
You know, they're better when they're aggressive. They might let up a few plays, but like when they play conservative and try to play zone and do all that, it feels like teams kind of pick them apart. So, you know, they're going to have some decisions to, to be made here. And the Dolphins, yeah, they haven't beat a good team. We know that. But they continue to me to get better and show, you know, more avenues of success on offense. They're getting a little grittier on the offensive side of the ball. And then the big thing to me is the defense. The defense and Vic Fangio and what they're doing, they they're they look very Vic Fangio-ish. I mean, they're incredible in zone coverage, incredible at passing things off, right? And uh, I think they're going to give that Dallas offense all they can handle in that matchup as well. You mentioned Tyreek Hill. He did not practice on Wednesday. The ankle injury from now... 10 days ago, the Monday night game against the Titans, the combo horse collar hip drop tackle that injured the ankle didn't play on Sunday against the Jets. I was told on Sunday it's likely he'll play on Saturday against the Cowboys. We'll see. That's a huge factor for the Miami Dolphins. They're able to manhandle the Jets without Tyree Kill. I don't know what they do to the Cowboys if Tyree Kill doesn't play. I don't know what they do to the Cowboys if Tyree Kill does play because the Cowboys surely smarting after what happened to them in Buffalo. They'll have extra motivation as we go down the stretch here, even though, even though, I mean, I don't know how much the Cowboys players are paying attention to how this whole tiebreaker thing is going to work. It really is an uphill climb for them to win the division because the Eagles have a much easier schedule down the stretch. They just have to hope the Eagles stub their toe against the Giants once in the next two times they play them or would lose to the Cardinals like the Cowboys did. I guess the Cowboys can relate to the fact that the Eagles have to play the Cardinals because the Cowboys lost them. The Cowboys hadn't lost that game in week three to the Cardinals. They'd be in control of the division right now. Cowboys injuries. Tyron Smith didn't practice. Zach Martin didn't practice. He told Mike McCarthy after Sunday's loss to the Bills that he's okay. Zach Martin left with a quad injury in the second quarter. And also Jonathan Hankins, guy who was one of the main reasons that James Cook, the Bills running back, ran roughshod over the Cowboys with Hankins not in there. He also didn't practice on Wednesday. So some more information to be developed as we get closer to Sunday. Did I say Saturday earlier? It's Sunday when they play. Yes. We'll know more about who can play, when they can play, how they can play. So that's going to be a factor here. No Tyreek Hill, big factor. No Jonathan Hankins, potentially big factor. Running game right up the middle, just like James Cook. And we know Mike McDaniel will be smart enough to scheme something up that takes advantage of whatever flaws were there to allow the Bills to do what they did. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, and, and, you know, no Jonathan Hankins. Yeah, that'll probably mean that, you know, Dallas has to worry about playing the run more, maybe stack the box a little bit more. And that's where it gets dangerous against Miami. Because once they, you know, rip off a run or two on you, you want to stop that. You're worried about all the throws over the middle. But then when you overcommit on loading the box or stopping the throws over the middle, they get on the edge with the run game and the toss sweeps and all these crack toss crack plays that they have that are extremely creative. Or they get on the edge and throw wide receiver screens and all that because everybody's inside, mashed in, worried about stopping the run and Raheem Mostert. And all of a sudden now it's a screen outside to Tyree Kill and you throw the ball one yard behind the line of scrimmage and they get a 40-yard gain. So they got a great formula here. It's going to be interesting matchup. It's going to be interesting to see how Dan Quinn, you know, approaches this all together. Uh, you know, but, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I think you know we know the two one of the marquee matchups of the weekend. It's either this one or the Forty ers Ravens that we all got circled uh, on the calendar on the schedule this week. You know, the Dolphins have only beaten the Cowboys once 
in seven tries since the Leon Lett game from December of 19, or Thanksgiving, excuse me, of 1993. They've played seven times, and the Cowboys are six and one against the Dolphins since then. And the last time the Dolphins beat the Cowboys was November 27 of 2003, probably another Thanksgiving game, 40 to 21. The Cowboys have won four in a row. They don't play very often, at least once every four years. And this is the first time Tua will ever face the team he grew up rooting for. Did you ever play the Giants? I'm sure you did at some point. I I actually like Did you play I not as not as I got to play. I you know, the year I lost my spleen, we were supposed to, you know, we went to Giants Stadium and played them there, but I got hurt about 3 or 4 weeks before we played, so I never got a chance there. Uh and it was a backup a number of times as far as against the Giants, but no. You know, always a dream there. Wanted to. It's got to be a. It's just got to be. It's yeah. got to be a weird thing. It just has to be. When you were drawn into the sport by loving and living and eating and breathing and sleeping and crapping one team, your dad played for that team, and now you're playing against that team. It's going to take some mental gymnastics to set that aside. I would assume. Yeah. Oh, he's going to definitely have a moment where he's going to run on the field and go early in the game and go, damn, I'm, I'm playing the Cowboys. And he's going to lose kind of sight of, you know, what his play is. And he's going to go, wow, I mean, I, I grew up watching the Cowboys. He's going to have these images of, like, him being a kid with his family, watching Dallas and going, damn, I can't believe this. He's going to have a, you know, come-to type of moment for sure. It's just hopefully it doesn't last too long and he can wipe it out of his brain and get right back into, into quarterback mode. But I'm sure some of those thoughts will run through his head early on in the football game. Pete tells me you never played the Cowboys or the Eagles either, which would make it harder to understand why you hate the Eagles if you never played the Eagles and didn't lose to the Eagles. No, well, I mean, because of the other reason you brought up. I grew up loving the Giants and everything about it, and that's why I So that's like why you hate the Eagles. That's why. Exactly right. Uh, plus, there's a lot of Philadelphia See, fans Eagles up fans here in the area, and i got to deal with them, so I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Ravens 49ers on Christmas night. What a way to end the weekend. It's number one versus number two in the PFT power rankings, which are final and binding on all things NFL. I think most people would agree that these are the best two teams right now in football, 11-3 versus 11-3. The 49ers are only favored by five points. Now, they're trying to spin that into disrespect of the Ravens. I think that shows great respect of the Ravens. I think the 49ers should be double-digit favorites in this game wow and it's a hell of an opportunity for the Ravens as I said yesterday maybe I, I don't know I said it somewhere wrote it somewhere maybe I said it on the PFT PM podcast but all this talk about who's the MVP from the 49ers is it Brock Purdy is it Trent Williams is it Chris McCaffrey is it Debo Samuel if the Ravens win this game that solves the problem it's Lamar Jackson it, it, yes I mean certainly he's right on the cusp of being in you know right right up there with Purdy and McCaffrey and Tyree Kill, right? Dak Prescott, you know, who certainly took a hit last week, and I don't know if it's it's going to be capable to overcome that unless he makes magic here at the end. But yeah, I think he goes very near the top if they pull off this victory. Now, if they pull off this victory and win, and Brock Purdy and McCaffrey still go off and play awesome too, you know, then it's going to come down to the the finish line in Week 18, certainly. But no, Lamar deserves to be in that category, and you know. Like, I don't think it should be more than five points. I don't think so. I mean, the Ravens won. I think they posed some problems to the 49ers. 
You know, the first thing we talk about is the physicality of the 49ers. The Ravens will be able to match that. They'll be ready to go. You know, the 49ers will not be able just to say, oh, we're going to overpower them in our run game and, and make that happen. Not against this group. Now, I do think you can run the ball on the Ravens a little bit, so they got to stay patient there, right? Uh, so that'll be interesting. And then, of course, Mike McDonald and what he does with that Ravens defense on that side of the ball, I'm sure he'll have some tricks and some you know outside-the-box thinking to combat some of Shanahan's stuff there. That's going to be a really interesting matchup. And I think on the other side of the ball, too, Mike, you know, same thing. You know, the Ravens, again, they're one of the few teams in football they are going to go, I know your D-line's awesome, 49ers, but we're not scared of it. We got an awesome offensive line, and we can run and throw. We're going to make you defend both. So this will be a real test for the 49ers defense. I mean, I expect a really good one. Obviously, the 49ers are better, but I do think there's some things in this matchup that the Ravens bring to the table that will give the 49ers some issues in some areas. Lamar Jackson was asked about this notion that it's a Super Bowl preview. Obviously, the two teams met in Super Bowl 47 with the Ravens winning. Lamar Jackson said the Super Bowl is in February. We're in December right now. And the best news for the Ravens, it's going to be Christmas Day, and Lamar Jackson hasn't suffered an injury. We've seen injuries each of the last two Decembers. Late in the year, banged around, and undermines the ability of the Ravens to to try to get as far as they can go. This year, he's still good to go. And this year, they may be the one seed again. That's what they're chasing. The Super Bowl doesn't matter if you don't get there. And they're not going to, well, they're going to have a harder time getting there if they're not the number one seed. They, they need this win. And I think for their own confidence that they can get there and win. This would be something. If they go to San Francisco and win this game, if there would be a Super Bowl rematch, they're going to have a hell of a lot more belief that they can beat them on a neutral site if they find a way to beat them in their own building. Oh, 100%. You know, I mean... Uh, if it did end up being a rematch for the Super Bowl, it would only make it that much more personal. That late in the year, we lost to you guys. We think we're better. You know, that will make it for truly like one of the most physical Super Bowls we've ever seen with these two psycho teams and psycho head coaches. But, yeah, this is a, these are two teams that are used to being the bully. And the 49ers, they, they rub it in your face. You know, that, that's what's cool about the 49ers. They're a little bit of like, you know, 85 Bears-ish or whatever. They go on the field and they yell and they puff out their chest and they, they tell you we're more physical and we're going to bring it. And the Ravens, of course, they aren't going to back down from anybody. You got the two top scoring defenses in football going at it. Both offenses are, what, top five in the game. Both defenses are both top ten in total as far as yards allowed. There's so many interesting things here, right? The 49ers got to worry about stopping the Ravens' run game. Ravens, run the freaking ball, right? Stop trying to justify Lamar's contract, Zay Flowers first round, Rashad Bateman first round, right? All this OBJ's contract, Todd Munkin, they are at their best when they run the ball. Take a page from the 49ers. The 49ers, Brock Purdy, nobody's thrown the ball less in football this year than Brock Purdy. He's got the least attempts in the game, and yet he's second in football in yards only behind Tua. You know, so you could still be explosive on offense and not throw the ball a ton. And that, to me, is where the Ravens are dropping the ball a little bit. And you saw the second half of that game last week. Damn, they ran it on Jacksonville at, at will. And I just feel at times lately they're a little too into justifying all those other things we talk about, and they're at their best when they play through the run. I don't have time to get into all the numbers, but just pull up the 49ers' schedule 
when you can. Yeah. And look at the scores. Oh, I know, You right? take away this donut hole that was sparked by the loss in Cleveland where they were lost three in a row. They came out of their bye, and they have kicked the crap <laughs> out of have, I know. Home or away. 34-3, 27-14, 31-13, 42-19, 28-16, and 45-29. All right, we'll see what happens Monday night. Let's take a break. Props next for Week 16. PFT Live back right after this. Yeah. Just as close to me telling me that Derek Carr has not yet blocked you. So my goal for the balance of this segment will be to get Derek Carr uh, yeah. to block you. And maybe we can just splice together something. We're going to make something up. Derek Carr became an asshole. <laughs> uh, well done. trying to frame me Well here. done. <laughs> well done, EJ. That's right. Block him, Derek. Block him. And then you got to get blocked by... David Carr, and there's another car out there that didn't play in the NFL who's part of the Carr Brotherhood. So get blocked by all of them like I have. Complete the trifecta as I have. Okay, uh, prop bets. All odds courtesy of DraftKings. Let's start with the showdown in the NFC North. The Vikings still alive to win the division somehow. If the Vikings win out, Lions, Packers, Lions, and the Lions lose the middle of that Vikings two-pack to the Cowboys, which is being played in Dallas. I mean, Cowboys at home. Uh, The Vikings win the division somehow. So, receiving yard over-unders. Here's the graphic. We've got five options for you, led by Justin Jefferson at 80.5, all the way down to Sam Laporta at 47.5. Who are you taking, Chris? Who is the most likely... Well, either way, over or under. Give me one of those five that you feel good about, over or under. Well, I I I feel like I feel best really about the Vikings options. Uh, I do, and the fact that I, I think the one that maybe looks the weirdest to me is Jordan Addison at forty nine point five, right? But you know, with the way with the way, of course, I think so much of Kevin O'Connell. And his ability to die, you know, throw the football and find ways to get his guys the ball over and over. Yeah, I want to look at Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. I look at both of those guys to be, well, they're going to ride them. They're not going to ride trying to run the ball too much. And the creativity of O'Connell and his ability to feed those guys. And then you take in Detroit's secondary a little bit there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. If you're gonna make me pick one, I'll go with Addison on this one. Yeah, I mean, the top two guys are Jefferson and Hawkinson, at least as it relates to reliable yeah. targets and the guys who we've seen the most from, And other than when Jefferson was injured. But he's the guy that the Lions are going to try to take away. Addison's the guy that's going to get the more favorable matchup. So yeah. we saw he had a huge game against the Bengals. Unless they overreact to Addison and just say, we'll dare Jefferson to beat us. But we still see Jefferson making the catches he's always made. He's not making long down the field spectacular plays but he's still making those catches in traffic and getting things done all right Bengals at the Steelers I'm with you by the way Addison good if anyone cares and no one does nobody does Bengals at the Steelers better bet Jake Browning over 237.5 passing yards or Mason Rudolph over 191.5 Browning has gone over 237.5 all three games and in his last two starts Rudolph has 315 and 242 so who's the better bet to go over Browning or Rudolph. It's it's hard. I mean, 191's a low number, right? The Bengals we saw last week. I mean, Nick Mullins and the Vikings moved the ball up and down the field on them. You could throw the ball on the Bengals. It's the worst defense in football. The only thing they got were, you know, one of the worst 
Only thing they got going for them is they they create a lot of turnovers. That that's the biggest thing. I'm going to go with Jake Browning. I am. Uh, you know, again, Joe Burrow light. He's been dishing the ball out. They have found a bunch of ways to get their guys the ball, just get the ball in the hands of Chase or, or the running back Brown or Higgins. They've done a really good job. They've tinkered with the offense a little bit, you know, with the state of the Steelers and what's going on there. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jake Browning to, uh, to, to win that one. 237, go over. Here's my other reason for going with Browning. I'm not 100% sure we're not seeing Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was limited in practice Tuesday and Wednesday. They haven't ruled him out for this game. And frankly, I'll take a limited Kenny Pickett over a 100% Mason Rudolph any day. So it could be that as the Steelers are really feeling their backs against the walls here, they need this one badly on Saturday. A standalone game. Everyone's going to be watching. The Bengals coming to town, feeling their oats, even though Joe Burrow's been injured. The Steelers need to slam the door here, and I'm not going to be surprised if Kenny Pickett plays. Uh, you sound like you got some pasta and meatball everybody. working here. You got some pasta and meatball working I, here? I, I, think, I think Mason Rudolph uh, will have the total of zero. I just have a feeling Pickett's going to play. That's been lost in all this George Pickens stuff. Hey, Pickett's practiced the last two days. Pickett could play. And why wouldn't he play? If he's ever going to pull it together and play, it's going to be now. He's missed two games with that ankle surgery, and uh, they said two to four. I won't be surprised if he plays. All right, don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 in pocket, $150 in bonus bets instantly, plus all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLive when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the, the crown, crown is yours. Is yours. The crown is yours, not mine, yours. Okay, thank you. We'll be you. back. Yep. I'm we'll be back king. with more PFT Live right after this. I'm the king. Hey, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Fuck face. Want to make this Christmas season lit? Then you need to ask, is this what PFT calls Christmas? With such classics as... Oh, the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. And believe it or not, George isn't at home. He's my favorite asshole, Mike Florio. Green beans, green beans. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Blinded by Mike White. I'm going to be like fame. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. Hi. Wow. All by myself. Don't want to be all by myself. Who's sweeping down the streets of the city? <laughs> all me so tired. All me so tired. All me so tired. I want to go to bed. Shove your carnation. Shove your carnation. Shove your carnation. Christmas album may not contain Christmas songs. Comfort and joy. <laughs> well done. Well done. And you know, the amazing part of that, the one guy that we showed who didn't sing, Miles Simmons, was actually like the lead in the high school production of Footloose. 
He's the one who should have been singing, Seriously. not us. Come on, Miles. Like, step up your game. Be an idiot like we are off camera when we're in commercial break. Come on. Step it up. Let's go. Damn, that was embarrassing and awesome all in one. <laughs> all right, got to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Have you ever been victimized by a missed field goal? No good! Wide to the right! No good! Ah! My name is Cameron Dicker, and I'll kick for you. 50, 40, 30, doesn't matter. I'll make it. Bang! 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 Rain, sleet, or snow, this leg is ready to go. Don't believe me? Ask him. Cameron Dicker is a really good kicker. He's outstanding. And, you know, I love him. And I did not edit that. So don't be a and let me kick for you at the Pro Bowl. Boy, if only the Chargers social media team could actually coach the team. They would, <laughs> funny. Be, they would be undefeated, right? Uh, and it's, it's amazing to me to see people so aggressively lobbying for spots in the Pro Bowl because there is no Pro Bowl anymore. What do the kickers even do at the Pro Bowl now that they don't play a game? So it's just weird. It's just weird. They do skills competitions. They did the thing last year that got Miles Garrett hurt. It was like the obstacle course for the linemen. They play flag football, but people still watch it. It's on TV and people watch it. Tua Tonga-Vailoa currently leads the Pro Bowl voting, by the way. It's a combination of fans, coaches, and players. I think 33% each. And we'll I think they announced the teams coming up soon. The voting, voting closes Christmas Day, so at some point after that we'll find out who the teams are for a game that they no longer play, which is fine because for years you and I both said, why even play this game? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little weird, right? There's, you know, even that there you said, I mean, you know, to a lead voting last year, he didn't even, he didn't get into the game because the players and coaches didn't vote him in. So, you know, there, there's a disconnect there between the fans and what the players and coaches think. But, yeah, I don't know, Mike, what the public – there's still, you know, a, an allure of the Pro Bowl. There's something to say about, hey, we had this many Pro Bowlers on our football team. Some guys still have contract incentives, you know, tied to that. So, you know, I guess that's the importance of the Pro Bowl still here as, as we go forward. And And – the winning side gets like 88 grand. The losing side gets 44. I think that's the numbers from the official NFL, NFL PA memo agreeing to this non-game game. There's still a lot of money to be made for the guys who show up and win. More PFT Live right after this. A Christmas trivia question on the way out the door today. Chris, what 1972 divisional playoff game made the NFL take a 17-year break from playing on Christmas. I don't think they played a divisional playoff game on Christmas that year. That's what's confusing about this to me. I know very well a game that was played December 23rd, 1972. Well, it's Pete. Pete doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah, Pete doesn't count well. Well, now I know. Well, now I know. So Uh, now you know. Wait, so let let me unpack this. The Dolphins and the Chiefs? Is that what it was? Yeah, it was triple overtime. Longest game in league history. Right. Right. Triple overtime. No, triple. Triple overtime. Right. So that was a triple overtime, right? The Dolphins end up winning. I thought it was triple overtime. 
double overtime. They go to they they beat the Chiefs. You know, they end up in the Super Bowl, right? And then that's where they lose to uh, the Dallas Cowboys, twenty four to three. And then they win the two Super Bowls after that to to uh, be repeat champions, but go to the Super Bowl three times. But but damn, Pete, how can you have that in the the sheets and then have it the was year double wrong? Overtime. Why did I think it was triple overtime? I don't yeah, know. He had the year wrong. Right. I thought it was something about the immaculate reception. Damn, but Pete, it wasn't Christmas. Pete, dumb little Christmas. little lighter lighter. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. See ya. Have a great day. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.